Hello, everyone. Welcome to the NeuroGather podcast. My name is Carter Smith, your host, and joined with me today is co-founder of NeuroGather, John Cook. Nice to speak to you all again. And our lovely guest, Asma. What's your last name? Sorry. Arshid. Arshid. Oh, I knew I was going to forget it during the no, introduction. No, it's fine. It's difficult. It's, oh, it's tough. All right. Either way, lovely Asma here is to come to us today from Peterborough, right? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where your home is. I have actually, uh, I'm an international student. I All came right. from Saudi Arabia last year, last October, but I'm like a Pakistani. So I was born in Pakistan, raised up in Saudi Arabia, now I'm in the UK. My university is in Cambridge, but my accommodation is in Peterborough. Okay, you're from everywhere, really. You've, you've bounced around a little bit a lot. That. <laughs> oh, that's good. No, you had a lot of experience to talk about, and we definitely have some things to go through. That'll definitely be interesting, especially, I, don't, I think you're the first Middle Eastern person we've talked to about their interest in neuroscience. Well, uh, I mean, I've always been interested, but, you know, leaving everything aside, if, even if I just go into just normal human being perspective, even if you want, to, I think if you want to be a good human being, you need to be able to understand other people. And psychology and criminology just fits into that. Psychology tells you about the human brain, and criminology tells you about the situations and what affects criminals. Because criminals for us is like an alien concept, somebody, I don't know, really devilish. But when you study, you realize it could be you, me, anybody. Mm-hmm. It just takes a second for things to turn upside down. And now I never give myself a guarantee or anybody or take anybody's guarantee that I'm sure this person is always going to be good or I'm always going to be good. I'm always afraid of that. And I, that's why I don't even make a lot of like, you know, the closest friends I have. And I tell them that, you know, these are my morals and you are responsible to keep me in those lines. If I go somewhere down, you know, you have to make sure I am very in touch with my family. And it's very complicated. Families are complicated. Mm -hmm. But I know that they will make me stick to my values. Sure. So to be a good human being, you need to know a bit of psychology and criminology. That's fair. That's actually a really interesting point. That's a good point, yeah. yeah. I I do agree with that as well. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that at all. That's that's right on the money, actually. I never thought (laughs) of it that way. (laughs) Yeah. You mentioned something about, like, almost like categories, not necessarily you put people into categories, but like, is it nervousness that kind of drives you to do that? Or is that just because now that you know about psychology and criminology, you kind of think, hang on a second, maybe this could turn out to be like this? Or is it more like um, you're using your experience as practical? Uh, Because I was brought up in Saudi Arabia, I had lots of different people from around the world come there. Mm-hmm. Mostly Muslims, but I did go into people who were not from my religion as well. So we have people from literally all over the world. Uh, and I, from also from religion perspective, we are taught to not be judgmental. Oh, good. Because everybody's so different. And you, when you meet, you know, I could mean something in one word and you could mean something in the same word. Mm-hmm. So if it's like, you know, this happened just recently. So my cousin goes that she doesn't have a business mindset. Now, that could mean that she is not, you know, in her mind, she doesn't want to do business. Like, you know, sure. in her mindset, like, you know, she has a mind to do psychology. Like, she's made up her mind to do business. psychology. Yeah, yeah. She has not made up her mind to do business. But then it could also mean that she's not fit to do business. Yeah, I could, okay. So I it's down to interpretation it's then. It's down to interpretation. Mm. Now, to understand somebody, you need to understand that, you know, some you can misinterpret people so quickly. Different cultures, different... 
religions, different genders, different Second ages. language. Exactly, languages. You don't know what somebody means. And you need to give everybody that space to make mistakes, to say the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. You know, many times I've had an encounter and I've been like, you know, why was she so rude with me about that? And then I'm thinking it at night and I'm like, oh, maybe she misheard me mm-hmm. because, you know, we are wearing masks sometimes, our voices up and down. You don't hear it, something like that. Just last night I was watching a video. She says, now in the subtitles, it was saying, I'm not the bride's sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not the bride, I'm the bride's sister. But I heard it as, I'm the bride, I'm the bride's sister. So, you know, sometimes you're just not sure you need to give that space to everybody. I think you, once you start learning psychology and criminology, you start observing it more, you pick it up more. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, yeah, I can see that, yeah. Do you, uh, is it something that you've learned with your professors that they've talked about, like specific things in that sense, of course? Just Even just like, you know, when you read, you see, you know, so many things play, you know, a role. Mm-hmm. If you go into criminology, to do a crime, it's not just the person, it's the situation, it's the factor, it's the time, it's the day, it's their mood. Circumstantial. You study that, yeah, yeah. the different factors that play. And you, if you use your common sense and you think about it and you'll be like, oh yes, it's that just, you know, you can't put it on one thing, you can't point a finger, this was because of this happened, no. Yeah, kind of like, uh, did you study Philip Zimbardo uh, as much? <clears throat> or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. the infamous Stanford prison experiment. <laughs> I mean, Stanford let's be honest, if, yeah. if you know anything of psychology, you have come up against Zimbardo yeah. at some point. Yeah. But the concept is fascinating, and it is, mm-hmm. it was basically like, are people inherently evil, or is it the situation? Yeah. And yeah, it showed situation factors in circumstantially. I mean, yeah. it was meant to what? It was meant to run fourteen days, and he cut it off at seven, seven. or eleven. Was yeah, it? yeah. seven and days. It's, and it's. I, I I was very lucky actually. I managed to go to when I did my undergrad. We went down to London, and he did a talk. Like I, I went to a talk that he did, and he spoke about the Stanford Prison mm-hmm. Experiment, and it was really really interesting to get his point of view on it yeah. mm-hmm. and considering he was there as well he has a very special point of view mm, but it's how he it. but a lot of people asked him like because uh, if, if you get a chance definitely read his book mm-hmm. um, the Stanford this yeah. because he said he it took him so long to read that book sorry write that book because it took him so long to process it and he still um, yeah like it's just it's fascinating it was so interesting um, but yeah sorry of course I was during the summer I started his book I've not completed it stuff is going on but he, it was about the his you know way of Stanford and his explanations and everything but that thing is why I say that I don't take my own guarantee because normal people good people mm-hmm. and they turn into this things and it was his actually his girlfriend had come and she had seen all of this Oh and then it was like an external perspective that caused and it was not like anybody realized that we were doing wrong nobody realized no, not even the so inmates. she literally says to him what's your dv yeah she asked him that question and he couldn't answer her and at that point he said i realized i had gone from someone running an experiment yeah. to the prison warden and he was like done stop it shut it down for those of you listening, DV's dependent variable, what what Zimbardo was measuring at that time. Got to keep it educational. <laughs> the fact that someone walked in and, you know, like you said, it took that external factor of someone saying to him, yeah. 
what what are you looking at? Why are you researching? What are you measuring? It mm-hmm. wasn't until someone said that that he realised. And that's seven days in a basement of a university, <laughs> you know? Did not, like, you got to wonder how not one, like, janitor or something like that didn't come in and go, what the hell is going on in here? Because they cut all of that out. Like, they was, they yeah. literally turned it into an isolated bubble. Yeah. And that's, that was the interesting thing about that is because it became a bubble. Right. Yeah. So yeah. cut off from the world. So cut off. It's weird too, like to people thinking about it, that wouldn't fly by ethics what after, after 1970s? afterwards. 1970s? Yeah, yeah 1972? Yeah, yeah, around that time. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, that's, a, that's just wild, yeah. But anyone's capable of evil, it's the circumstantial thing that gives them yeah. the opportunity. But then yeah. it also brings up the definition of like, what is evil? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's. But that is a whole worm. I, yeah, like a wormhole. I don't want to go yeah, down. We're not talking about that today. That's for sure. That we could fill up a solid. I think Sam Harris actually does a podcast about that too. Yeah. So we don't really need to go into that much. But what was your drive to go into this area? You must have had a starting point where you figured, I don't have. I, maybe I don't have a business mindset, but I love psychology but I love business as well, but I really want to do psychology. What was that kind of interplay between? Oh, this is so interesting. Uh, so I've always been like, you know, since I was kind of young, being like, you know, why would people do immoral acts, you know, when mm-hmm. you know it's wrong, why would you do it? And I was very, a big fan of mysteries. Mm-hmm. Read all the books, Nancy Drew, Famous Five, all those sorts of things. You ever read the Hardy Boys? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> But I told my dad I want to do criminology, and my dad kind of knew the field, and he was like, no. Really? And uh, he was like, you know, there's no scope in Saudi Arabia or Pakistan. So back then, I never thought I'd leave Saudi Arabia. Sad. Uh, moving on. But, and then uh, I remember coming, I, I, was, I always knew I was good with bio, so I was always kept scientists. Commerce was not my thing I knew. Mm-hmm. I, I loved bio. And uh, it came to a point when I was doing my A-levels, two, three year bags, it feels like ages ago, but I was like, you know, okay, fine. I told my uncles, I was like, okay, fine. I don't know what to do. You tell me what to do. What I want to do doesn't fit right. So tell me what to do. And they'll be like, okay, fine. Prepare for medicine. Wow. It's like, whatever. And I prepared and I was like, just gave my A-levels. And then I, I spent my, I did my AGCSEs. And then I went to Pakistan for one year, and mm-hmm. that was the best decision of my life because that told me that I don't want to study in that place. <laughs> And then I came back to Saudi Arabia and we were planning to go to Canada. And I was just, you know, I remember calling up my cousin and then be like, you know, what do I do with this? You know, I don't know what to study. And I was just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And I was like, you know what? That's it. I'm doing psychology. I don't care. But Canada's process was so complicated. It it's just long. put me off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My cousin is there, but it just put me off. What university were you thinking of going to? Uh, I, I did into, what do you say? Oh my God. Can't Carlton? Uh, there was this with M. I can't remember. McMaster? Yes. Or McGill? Both. Okay, yeah. One's in Quebec, one's in Ontario. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I was like looking all over the place. Right. And uh, it was just too much. And then uh, I think my friends just encouraged me to just have a look at UK. I had a lot of family in the UK, so I was kind of skeptical about that. Really? Yeah, because it can get very complicated with especially as an Asian oh sure <laughs> yeah and then uh, my dad was like you're going only there where your uh, family is or you're taking your brother to Canada and my brother was not going to go to Canada he's like I'm not going there 
<laughs> and then uh, I had to stay with UK and I literally applied on the last day at 2 a.m. My friends are calling me and they're like, apply. I'm like, I'm not applying. I have not given out. And he was like, no, your IGCSEs, English will work. Mm-hmm. And I applied that and literally the last minute my payment went through. Wow. I called up my friend. If she had not picked up, I don't know what would happen. I was like, you know, this is not happening. What do I do? And she's like, oh God, this is the thing you have to click. And I send it in and then I get accepted. And But the thing with psychology with criminology was when I came across it, it was perfect. Three Mm -hmm. years, psychology with criminology, I've always wanted to do that. In Canada, the reason I didn't go there was also because it's four years and it was like, you know, one is major and one is minor. Yeah. I didn't want to do that system. And I've always studied like the Cambridge system from like whenever I started school. So I've always done like the Oxford and Cambridge system. So I was like, I'm more comfortable with here. Right. And yes, that's how I came into psychology with criminology. Now, my dad had always said that we have, my family has always done business, mm-hmm. always. My uncle, he did his master's here. He went back and he's a professor, but then he's also doing his own business. All right. So the thing that I was like, you're not doing any job. I still don't do any part-time job. Now I've started one with the university, mm-hmm. but I don't, I didn't do any part-time job the last year. My dad was like, you know, invest yourself in skills. My uncle told me the same thing. He was like, you have to do a business. So once COVID started and lockdown came up, so my A-levels was kind of paused because they were like, you know, we're not taking your exams. Right. So my dad was like, okay, fine, you're not doing that. You're not studying anymore. You're doing online courses. So I did like 10, 12 courses on edX, Harvard, on like marketing, on nutrition, psychology, anything I was interested in, rhetoric writing. Mm-hmm. Anything so, that would give you like some sort of diploma. Like you could do edX, which is the Harvard. Yeah. yeah. Edx and I did one in R a while. I was back, interested but... in many things, and you know, climate change. I was very sure. passionate about climate change, things like that. So I wanted to do it. So my dad uh, gave me and my cousins. So we are all around the ages of like eighteen, mm-hmm. seventeen to twenty. So four of us, and he gave us like you know a bit of money, and he was like you know you know do a business with this, and we bought a few stuff from Alibaba. Nice. And uh, we started selling it online, but it went into a pause with my whole uni thing. So everybody was invested into that. Yeah two of, of us and then my brother was doing his IGCSEs so it was like you know it went on pause his IGCSEs my UK coming then my sister's exams mm-hmm. and then some, something or the other came up and we did do a few things but we still have a stock and then I knew yes I want to do business because even in my religion it's you know it gives more importance to business and okay. everybody I know that you know to do it on your own terms is good if I do a job I'll get stuck in a country in one position I don't want to do that Mm-hmm. That's why I don't want to go into the medical side because I don't want to go into this automatic mode of just writing prescriptions or just giving counseling and just being stuck in one place. I don't want to do that. I want to do something on the feet, go around the world, do something that makes my brain alive. Like, you know, I keep thinking of problems, keep thinking of solutions, mm-hmm. do something different. So I I was into this uh, business side. I knew I wanted to do business. Yeah. And my dad knew that too. So he was like, you know, why don't you why don't you do like a business course? I had, you know, I was literally going to apply for visa, and they were like, they're talking about, you know, why doesn't she change her degree? Mm-hmm. But I was like, no, I will not do a job in the sector if you want. But I will study this. This is my passion. I want to study this. I want to do business, but I want to study this. Yeah. Do you think so, you'll ever combine the two? Yeah, because uh, I was thinking about it uh, two months back. So I was in Manchester with my cousins and my uncle goes like, you know, you're studying this, you want to do business. Now tell me, you know, yeah. how are you going to do this? And then we were talking and this thing came out that maybe I can do like a give like consultancy to other companies on, you know, how to be with their employees uh, on about how to, you know, to understand their clients better, things like that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like well, well-being practices and things like that. And yeah, <clears throat> just also like, you know, how to get the most out of your employee. Yeah. And also, you know, there, 
so many different people, extrovert, introvert, the different skills, and you can trigger some people. Because I've got a friend, I know how much it is that any small thing can trigger them. You know, somebody might be quiet and you call them shy, it triggers them, and yeah. then they shut off. Yeah. So you need to be, you know, to let those companies know things like this so that they can further give the training so we can make it like a more open place for everybody, not only like not just extroverts getting charged, but even introverts who are deeper down the scale, even they have opportunities, even they feel understood. Mm -hmm. well, that's really that's interesting. interesting. Actually, yeah. yeah, I like that. Yeah. And that, that's an idea that you came up with as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really, it's really nice to like how you're looking at how you can combine your two passions into yeah. one thing. So you've got the psychology on the one side of it, and then you've got this drive to succeed in business <laughs> on the other side. And it's great because like, obviously that's how we started, how we're yeah. here now is that we had the same thing. Um, mm -hmm. But just going back, like, so are you in your first year or second year for your career? I'm going to start second year next week. Looking forward to it? Very excited. <laughs> because I did my undergraduate here as well. I did oh. psychology here as my undergraduate. But when I started, I actually was going to be doing the psych crim course. And I decided to not continue it because I didn't get an accreditation. Whereas the psychology was BPS certified by the end. Mm -hmm. And because I knew I wanted to be doing something in psychology, I didn't necessarily know at the time if I was going to continue on to do a master's because I went away for five years, six years, and then came back to do my master's. But I was like, I kind of want a certification. So I swapped to the pure psychology route and then every opportunity I got to do a criminology module I was like yes doing a criminology module <laughs> because I find it so fascinating myself it's really interesting like you said it's not just oh this person's a bad person it's situation timing date weather <laughs> like there's so much that goes into it yeah too but, much milk in their coffee yeah yes <laughs> but it's 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 the combination of the two that I find yeah. fast and I would have loved Love to have done the whole psych crim route and even like maybe touching on forensic psych would be fascinating like mm. i find that so interesting personally but yeah. i feel so lucky because the year i started last year that's the year they started giving it credit so it's now credited by the bps oh can i go back and do my undergrad <laughs> <laughs> good for 30 grand yeah <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it's the uh, process of it too, though. I mean, like choosing what you're going to do, for, especially for three years, it's hard to just go into it choosing and then just go back out into it. Mm. Yeah. So your process was kind of interesting how you just, well, you, you took the stride to say, I'm going to do what I want. And yeah. That's really important, mm. especially at like that young age, because you might be pressured by family members a lot yeah. too. But it, it's helpful that you had that support system. Right. I know because I know my dad loves me a lot and my brother just because my now my cousin is going to uni and she changed her field under pressure mm -hmm. and Usma was like you know she's not Asma that she, he's that's my brother that it's not Asma that she'll just take with it and you know because I knew that it's not a job that I wanted to do yeah I don't know about the future I know that I want to study this and I think now my dad and my uncles think that she took the right decision because I'm going to the entrepreneur side too I did pitch and big pitch about preserving I wanted to do like handicraft skill mm -hmm. so I'm very passionate about preserving culture and preserving the handicraft skill especially in lockdown I, I realized that you cannot rely on anything other than your own self a human is still a human it's mm -hmm. nothing compared to a machine a machine is it runs as we want it to run like you know the creator is always better than the creation so uh, I think yeah that's what Oh, and if something, the first minutes I start, it will probably be in this. So I'm looking forward to doing that. 
getting handicraft items and doing something with those stuff. That's good. Yeah. What, uh, what is driving you towards that then specifically? Because I feel like we're losing it. We are now, especially because of Mina, you know, I don't think I belong to a particular country yeah. or a place. We are now global citizens. With Instagram, social media, you are global citizens. You're together. Mm-hmm. You will meet people from America, Canada, Middle East, everywhere around the world. Yeah. So, you know, people are sitting, <laughs> sitting in one country and doing crimes in another country. So now you're more global. You need to understand the entire world. And I don't think, you know, anything can happen and all of this can be gone. You know, science was so advanced. We're still struggling with COVID. Mm-hmm. We're all shut down. So that skill, it's many people who want to learn. They don't have a means. Right. Mm-hmm. I want to provide that means by tutorials and stuff like that from people who are who have like generations and generations of experience in there. Mm-hmm. I would be somebody who would be, you know, if I had that chance in my school, I would have done that. And many people would have done that. I know if they had just been given the opportunity, if that thing was just brought to light. I was just reading this book right here on nature deficit disorder thing mm-hmm. that this, the writer kind of said. Because we're not, you know, in bound with anything with nature. Mm-hmm. We're just doing watching TV, we're not gaining skills. Yes, you get, you do learn from everywhere. You learn everywhere. You could be sitting in the room and just looking at the walls and you could learn so much. But the thing is that where do you learn more from? What is long term? What is benefiting you? Probably experience. Yeah. Yeah. So just that skill. I feel like the handicraft skill is just so good because it roots you down. It's something you can do as a good hobby. Mm -hmm. It's one of the things that we can teach our kids to do instead of always playing PlayStation or something like that. (laughs) So, yeah. That's smart. No, I get that. That sort of brings back um, values of home because my grandparents were very much must do this by hand. No machines. Like they don't even use a sewing machine. They always do things by hand. That's kind of cool. With the specifics behind psychology and whatnot, why did you join Neurogather? Why did you feel that you, what brought you towards that? Other than probably Ukrash telling you to join. (laughs) No, no. Uh, Nobody can force me into anything. But the thing was, uh, it it was, I was, I was shocked as to why something like this wasn't there before. Oh, really? Oh, that's fair. Yeah, that that's sense. the really that was, nice to hear, though, as yeah, well. That's good too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, when I was going through big picture ideas for myself, I did like make a list, and I, there were a few things that I thought should be there, but they didn't exist. Like, I do have still a few ideas. I don't know if I should say it out loud because I've not done proper research in them. Mm-hmm. But there needs to be a place where you know all new related people can discuss. You get the latest updates. Mm-hmm. You can have like, <laughs> I was just telling it to you guys, right? The impression that people have of new related people is different, you know. Yeah. To what absolutely. you guys are. Yeah. But that's the thing as well. Like one of the best things about uh, the website is you can put a profile picture up, and it's fascinating to see all these different people yeah. from all around the world, and they've all got their own unique styles and yeah. looks, and it's it's not your stereotypical like you were saying sitting in the library big stack of books you know a lot of people are using it as their personal linkedin profile but that's just that's kind of common i think that's what people thought of what it was meant to be before Mm. and now that we're kind of moving into this hey i'll check this out it's kind of cool social like aspect of it people are going to start hopefully stop treating it as their uh neuro related linkedin profile although that hopefully you know you can use it for both ways ways, you know hopefully later on uh, we'll see what the website develops but when you got onto Neurogather, you were you said you were surprised. Uh, but what about 
the content in general? Like, have you looked at some of the editorials that we've had on there? Have you? A bit, because I recently joined and I've been very busy with the freshers and everything. Yeah. But wherever I had looked was, it seemed like a place where you get like literally how Karsh puts it, like-minded people. Yes. You know. Yeah. You know. You know. If I have this burning confusion at middle of the night and I'm like what could be the answer you know the times that you get something and you're like you know why doesn't this to happen this way or why is it that way mm-hmm. and you can't find any answer anywhere you can put it up there and know their views if you want to research in something and you're not sure if it's been researched or if it's underway or you know you know if it even if people will like it it's like a small pilot study you can do just quickly ask up you know guys what do you think about this guys what Absolutely. do you think about that you know yeah. it's like a small community of your own uh, you can discuss together how to, you know, improve opportunities for each other, mm-hmm. how to uh, maybe, like, you know, go to conferences. It's networking. It's uh, having a friend. Yeah. We definitely some... had conferences up there. Yeah. We've had one or two up with the, uh, it's a long name, but the E-S-I-N-C-Y or something along those lines. That was yeah. the European conference. Yeah. Yeah. We had that up there. That was really cool. Yeah. More people hopefully will share more aspects of that because I, I didn't know how many conferences actually existed for neuroscience until the website went up and everyone started advertising. Mm. Yeah. And we started looking into it. There's, it's mad. Yeah, and like, most of them for free. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you can just, and since everyone's going online now, yeah. just pop on in. Just pop on in, exactly. Yeah. It's, just, it's a nice way to just connect with people about you. Like I said, you know, as a student, it mm-hmm. benefits you a lot immensely. You can get mentorship. You can ask people to work under them. Absolutely. It's a proper all LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, all combined only for Euro people. So it's all filtered. You won't get anything you're not interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very, it'll give you the whole productive feel when you're going through, you know, people's editorials and stuff because people will mostly be talking about their work. Yeah. It will encourage you. It will encourage you to post your comments on it, you know. There's so many times and you went, oh my God, I should have asked the researcher this question mm-hmm. or I would like to ask him this or I would like him to elaborate there. Now, if somebody puts up something there, you can put it up and you both are educated in the same field. So you know the in terms, you know everything. So there's no, there's less chances of getting it misinterpreted by somebody else, which happens at other mm-hmm. you know platforms. Yeah. And even if it does, it's a benefit misinterpretation because that's the whole point. Uh, one of the original reasons that we put up NeuroGather was like we saw different neuroscientists had different languages they used mm. and it causes disruptions in the conversation when you go to a conference mm. and someone says the superior temporal sulcus mm-hmm. versus the Wernicke's area mm. that kind of, that's the best example I can give yeah no because I, I actually remember I'm pretty sure this was that was one of the first conversations we had yeah and it, it stemmed from us we were sitting and I remember I was reading a journal article and I turned to them and went guys what does this word mean and Carl looked at me and went Oh, it's just another way of saying this, and I was like, "Well, then why don't why don't they say that? Why did they have to make it this like?" And it was, it's just exactly like you said. It's one of those things where it's like we're using so many different languages to explain the same thing, the same thing, and it's by bringing this together, we can start almost creating our own, I guess, syntax in a way. Yeah. yeah, or you're more familiar with other variations of the word, yeah. like you could say "fb" in a chat. But then it means Facebook in person. Yeah. Yeah, like that kind of area. Yeah. And part, it's like exposure. Mm. Yeah. And being exposed to the field itself and it seeing its direction go is more, in my opinion, it's, it's a lot more important than being going to a conference. 
because yeah. that's very specific. Of course. Also, with a conference, online. you can't. This, like you were saying about, you can't ask for clarification on something. Yeah. You can't ask yeah. questions on, yeah. or you can ask questions. But if I'm sitting in the room of you know two thousand people with my hand up wanting the question, yeah. the the speaker's probably only got five yeah. minutes to answer as many as many as he can or her, she can yeah. as quickly as possible. But on the, online, you online, can send it. Yeah. You can you can post a comment underneath the article mm -hmm. and they'll respond or yeah. someone else will respond and even in that responses you can then start a dialogue and it's yeah. just it's so much fun it's so much fun like you know you you could probably become best friends with a researcher yeah <laughs> yeah yeah well, possibly or you can have an opportunity where the research will take you on yes. like that area as well I, we don't expect this to happen anytime soon but maybe in the future we'll see researchers start mm -hmm. to use this as a platform to recruit people yeah in that way i think this has that potential because on LinkedIn, uh, I was told by an employer that they do look at how you engage. Yep. They do, yeah. absolutely. So, in your gather, also a good researcher will actually look for people who are engaging, and yep. if they're looking for somebody to look, okay, oh, what post has he commented on? What kind of mindset does he come from? Mm -hmm. And it's it's great about the benefits you can get. You can, like I said, ask advice on so many things from coworkers and everything. It's like a, you get different perspectives from all over the globe. For sure. Oh yeah, and I've I've just recently done a meta analysis looking at specific countries in a specific field. But uh, they, I've noticed that the language they use in the papers and the ideas that they have are drastically different depending on where the country that's coming from. Mm. The research, especially like Canadian researchers, are much different from Thai researchers or UK researchers are much different from India researchers. And I've I kind of ironic, but I actually prefer the research coming out of the um, the east to the west. As in my field, music as medicine. So that aspect, like, especially because the uh, Eastern, Eastern countries use music more often uh, for medicine, but that is an interesting aspect on why that didn't carry over to the West. Mm. And now that we do this on Neurogather especially, we're able to see that. Is it the fact, sorry, just touching on yeah, sure. the point you just made then, is it the fact for that specific example? Yeah. Is it the language they're using that makes you more interested in what, in what they're doing or is it the research there it's their science because that's what it's, I was going to say is that one of the things I find really really interesting is and I've always said about this about one of my ideas my dreams for Neurogather is to be able to have if you've got someone in one country stuck in a rut like my research isn't going anywhere what can I do post it to Neurogather and someone the other side of the world goes hey I'm doing that too but I'm looking at it from this point you've then yes. got an intersection and it's like yeah. Person B can suddenly drag person A out of their rut and go, oh my God, yeah, I've never thought of that. And then person B is going, yeah, no, I didn't think of that. Yeah. And this whole collaboration of ideas, it's just going to grow the field and grow. Yeah. And that's. And bolster uh, it fast. Yeah. Yeah. Like, especially because it's the fastest growing field of science, to my knowledge, the only thing faster right now is COVID research. <laughs> and that's probably because it's so open and it's also free of access. Now that we're striving towards open access, it's going to get a lot easier for neuroscience. But especially with neuroscientists, everyone is diverging off into these vast and very deep rabbit holes. And sometimes they're getting caught in their own little web of research. Mm. When doing that especially, you need a breather. Mm. And Neurogather hopefully will do that kind of stuff too. But I, I definitely notice what the, the well, doing the PhD, like the, and you'll probably notice this when you do uh, your second year. I think this is when you start to do your own similar kind of research. The process at which it happens you can get so in tune into a very specific subject 
and then you stop thinking about everything else. But as soon as you get a little breath of fresh air, all of a sudden you kind of hit that that bubble. And well, you need to hit the pocket. That's what musicians say about that almost existential thinking process. (laughs) Right. What What do you expect out of Neurogather? Well, as a new member and someone who is in psychology and criminology, what do you expect out of this community itself? I think the first impressions that I have with just the name and just a few looks was that uh, I'll get to know about researchers, different kind of things happening. Mm-hmm. I'll get to know about the daily lives of people who are in this field. Wow, so like socially as well. Yeah, like, you know, probably some people are like, God, I had this amazing day today. We went to this conference and I did this lab test on this. And, and somebody could go like, oh my God, I had a terrible day. My lab test failed. The mm-hmm. EED is coming this or that and this and that and stuff like that. And you it's just like you know like you know how it is to be in it yeah so as somebody who's you know new to the field then it'll be immensely helpful to know how things are working out for the people who have gone through all of this work then people will have tips for students who are studying or for you know people might be like oh i'm searching into this what do you think and you know i look forward to having that exchange of thoughts posting my thoughts on a research and you know having conversation on that Mm-hmm. I'm excited for that too. Uh, I, you mentioned that I really like that idea of having more teachers on there, like an ask me anything sort of thing. Yeah. And especially the social aspect of that, I think people are really afraid to share uh, share their personal lives a bit on our website at least. But they're probably very active on Facebook to do that kind of stuff. But yeah. like having to do that on Neurogether would be fun, and that's kind of what we wanted the website to be in the first place. Yeah. It's like that that um, that soft area between formal and not formal. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a very tight line to walk. It is, but I feel like at the moment we're, we're towing it. <laughs> I think so, quite well. I think I hope so. <laughs> but <laughs> it'd be good to have an aspect, as you said. Like, well, I liked your um, how you perceived Neurogather, mm-hmm. and that's great that you did it that way because we were afraid that Neurogather was going to be perceived as LinkedIn, but for neuroscientists. Yeah. Uh, definitely not how we were going to market it, hmm. but I'm glad that you came out and said that in particular because that means we did hit the pocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What do you think you would give advice to someone? What advice do you think you'd give to someone that's just joining out as a psychologist? Because you've just passed your first year yeah. now. You're starting out in your second year. You have even business experience on the back end of this. You have all these things. That's a big resume of lists. <laughs> how have you gotten through all that and what advice would you give to someone? I think I would say that uh, to never let any opportunity go because it's yeah. not just some psychology goes into every field. Mm. It's something, you know, it goes into every single field. You hear like a musician, podcaster, I don't know what, not he's <laughs> martial artist or something or not. So that doesn't mean that you just have to stick with books or you just have to do anything that is only just has the name psychology in it. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to get skills for the world out there. Uh, and I would say is uh, study. Uh, I had a lot of issue with like you know time management, and uh, I committed overcommitting myself. And because I was traveling so much last year from one country to of another course. and then to another, yeah. so I didn't uh, study that much. But I think one I would say is that you won't realize how quickly this time goes, and then you'll regret it. Yeah. But it's just three years. Give it your best. Mm-hmm. Book yourself out for this. Uh, don't I, this is not the time to uh i don't know why i'm saying this it sounds 
so weird when I'm saying it. But then this is not the time to think a lot that, you know, if I'll fail, this will happen or not. You will figure it out. Yeah, you yeah. will. Mm-hmm. You know, it, do it for studying. If you do it for one, looking at, I want to get into this job and this is the road path to the job, yeah. it's not going to work out. Mm-hmm. If you follow your interest, okay, I'm interested in this, I'm interested in this, I'm interested in this, do whatever interests you and then you will eventually find something that's for you. Mm-hmm. You know, we all are unique, so we all will have our unique experiences, unique things that will fit, fit us. So do what interests you, what you like, and one more thing, you cannot run away from things, you know, you will, end, oh, you will catch have up to you. do everything. Oh, like, yep. I was like, <laughs> I thought I could get away from computer. I thought I could, I wouldn't maybe have to write so much, but no, the, you know, and now I'm fine with doing anything because I've accepted that you need to learn all your life and you need to do things you don't even like, mm-hmm. you know, Stats. coding would just, yes, it would just make me cry, but <laughs> this is what it is it is part of this every like you know when you're having an apple the seeds are part of it similarly with psychology or any field you'll have things that you don't like so it's the fact that you accept it with the flaws the flaws that are for you and just work hard and learn and do anything that interests you just do what interests you something really interesting that i've got from our conversation so far is like you're really really big on the idea of invest in you and I yeah. love that. I think that's such a great idea to have is saying that, yeah, I love this thing. I want to do it for me. So I'm going to invest this time in me. I love business as well. How can I, how can I learn, like learn how to do business with something else I love? Okay, I'm going to invest this time yeah. in me. And it's like, I love that idea. Like you've, you've gone out of your way to just say, I love, I love doing all these things. I'm fascinated by all these things. I'm going to work on me now. And when you just said, book yourself out for these three years, yeah, I, I really agree with that, if I'm very honest. I mean, it's not even a full three years, though, is it? It's, it's what, six, yeah. six, seven months of a year? Yeah, and vacations? Yeah, and it's just, I, I would honestly say, piggybacking on your yeah. <laughs> point, is, yeah, invest in yourself and just put your nose down for three years. And I definitely didn't work that hard in my undergrad. <laughs> I did for uh, the first year. And first year doesn't count. First year's I, w- I wish I had. Like, I wish honestly. I had, that's why. I mean... You don't know when you're going to die. You don't know what accident can happen with you. So do things that you like. Don't think too much in the future that, oh, this subject doesn't pay off in the well in the future. This thing doesn't pay you that well. Oh, no, this be- I should do this job or that job to save up for this. Yes, yes, you need to know financing. You need to do a bit. But then that doesn't mean that you just steer your entire life onto that road. It's, not going, to, it's going to be very difficult for you, both mentally. And once you mentally exhaust yourself, you're going nowhere. I know people who have mentally exhausted themselves and then they're not even able to do things that they liked. Yeah. So do things that will give you more of long-term benefit than just short-term. Yes, I know you don't might not be there in the long-term, but you do long-term things. Short-term things are not good at all. If you know that this is something that's going to be very short-term, yeah. it's a red flag. Go into things that are going to just give you more long-term benefits. It's going to keep you at peace. You will be sure about, you know, why I'm doing this, why I'm not doing this. People would come and question me and be like, you're a psychology criminology. Why are you doing marketing? Obviously, it's very obvious that psychology doesn't track with marketing. But sometimes people will raise questions at you for every single thing. Mm-hmm. There's a story. I don't know if it's going to be too long. but You'll be fine. We got plenty so of time. There was two people and they were traveling olden days when they used to travel on a camel. And one sat on it and one didn't. So one was 
walking and one was on the camel and people were like oh this one is older why are you doing this he should be on it so when let's say the father went on the camel then the next town went like oh the father's so mean he's letting his son walk and himself standing then both of them sat on it and the next town people went like oh look poor camel they don't have any pity for the camel they both are sitting on it next town they went they both came off the camel and they're like oh what fools they have a camel they're not even riding it <laughs> so people will have to say everything you know i can pass criticism on any paper you give me on anybody you come there'll be flaws in everybody but you you're not here to please people you're here to do what is morally right you're here to make the society better and you're here to make yourself better mm-hmm. so only compete with yourself and do that okay what am what i think whenever i'm doing it does this what i'm doing firstly is this morally right is this ethically right that's it then i'm doing going ahead Fair play. That's a lot to digest there. I like the camel story, though. <laughs> I like that camel story. But I think it's a really interesting point about like people's perceptions and what they can say to you. And I think that's a really good thing you phrased there is, like, do it for you. <laughs> people will criticize you no matter what you yeah. do. So it's your choice at the end of the day. And I, I, I am fully behind that idea. And it's really interesting, actually, hearing you say about, like, don't let yourself be steered onto one path because mm. I very much came out of my undergraduate thinking that's the job I want how do I get there okay to get there I need to do this 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 and I chased that for a while and I hated it I burnt myself out like I honestly I did burn myself out and I think ever since then like my whole concept my whole mindset's flipped and it's very much a case of now I'm doing the reason I came back to university is because I wanted to do something I enjoyed again and I wanted to learn again and I love like I love learning I might not be the best student, but I love to learn. And yeah, so I came back to do something for me and I've loved my time here and it's been great for me. And it's really nice to be able to talk to someone who's also giving us that attitude and that has the reflection of the same mindset. And because I think that's something that you, me and Nookie actually have in common as well, is do something you love, which is why you guys have pursued education into PhD level. because it's focusing on something that you're really passionate about. For you, it's the music, uh, the music uh, therapy, and with yeah. Key, it's the. Uh, I'm gonna mess this up, so I might not even say it. Bodily self consciousness. <laughs> yeah, body self consciousness. Yeah, self consciousness. Yeah, he was originally a doctor. Yeah, doesn't tell that to many people. Uh, yeah, so he was actually so he actually has his medical degree in India, and he's over here now doing a PhD in psychology. We're gonna be calling him Doctor Doctor. Yes. <laughs> that shows, to do something till PhD shows the dedication and love for it because it's not easy. It's not. To do your undergrad, people are like, oh, after undergraduate, I'm done. I know people, the smartest people, just they don't, after A levels, everybody's burned out. Nobody wants to continue to Yeah. <laughs> but no, that, that's very true. Yeah. You need commitment, and that's mm-hmm. really nice. It's motivating for other people to know that, okay, you know, we can do this. Mm. I mean, there's something to be said for taking time to focus on like not I hate the expression finding yourself and by finding yourself I'm not talking about you know backpacking or anything like that it's like but taking some time even if you just take an hour every day or a couple of hours a week just to say shut everything else off and just go what am I doing that's for me right now it's kind of turned into a little bit of a motivational podcast, this, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Yeah, it's all—it's about experiences and whatnot. And you—is that what kept you through 
you say that mindset? Have you had always had this mindset? I guess is a question. Mm. Mm, always, uh, I think I got very, things kind of very easy in a sense that. So since a young age, I haven't really, really, I've been an average student, so I didn't have to put in a lot of effort. Mm. I did get friends who would work so much and still not get the grades that you know I would get or higher. And I did have a with childhood friendship issues kind of thing, like not fitting in with people. I don't mm. fit in with a certain people. Even now, you won't see me whenever in in a family gatherings. You'll always find me either with the youngest kids mm-hmm. or with grandparents' age people. I don't know, maybe I don't, I, I don't, I feel like I don't resonate with those people. Mm-hmm. I'm not in touch with a lot of, you know, my friends or my cousins. The one I talk to the most is uh, my parents, my uncles. These are the people that I go with, I spend my time with. Because I feel like I, I, maybe in, the, in my childhood, I spent being with these people, elder people who loved me a lot. And I didn't spend a lot of time with people of my age. And then when I went to Saudi Arabia, I was like three, four, and I didn't get that acceptance from there. That caused me to just, you know, avoid people of my age. Mm. I feel like, you know, I, 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 I just don't feel comfortable enough. And uh, then uh, after like my IGs and I was like, okay, I want to go to Pakistan, maybe get like, you know, get out of this whole mess of school and everything and start fresh. But there it had its own things. And I came back and here, and I was like, you know, after all of this, yes, uh, because my mom's very supportive of everything. My dad's kind of strict. But I know that, you know, in the end, you know, my mom always says, I want you, you know, your health matters. I have an uncle, the one I live with, he's disabled. He's mm. got schizophrenia. He fell 10 years back from the building because of schizophrenia. Oh, wow. And he got, like, you know, disabled. Now, that has made me think that nothing is more important than my health. I see him every day. Mm-hmm. Everything is a struggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has nothing to do. He got divorced. Son doesn't, you know, really mm-hmm. spend time with him. So th- that's what made me think that your health matters the most. You you matter the most. So you know, any amount of money. He doesn't have financial issues, but he's still not that very happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, thank God. I feel very blessed. And but you know, whenever I pray, I pray for health. I pray for dignity. That's it. You know, I don't, I don't want to fail. I do pray that to make me hard work, but I pray for to be able to be productive, to be hardworking, to not fail in my studies, and to get respect and good health. I feel nothing compares to your health. Just one day, I know, if I have a summer cake or I'm now well, the entire day doesn't go well. If I end up doing something to me, just like maybe not drinking enough water, I still do that, but, you know, it has a lot of issues. My family has had that. I know that. So invest in your health. You know, that's more long term. You can't sacrifice your health for anything. Don't do that. Not a second. A second mm. gone is lifetime lost. Did you, uh, when, well, <laughs> when did you realize that in particular? Is I think it, it, young age? I always knew it because I saw a lot of uh, health issues in the family mm-hmm. minor but then I saw the inconvenience that mm. brings oh, and my mom would always teach me to not you know pray that you don't become a burden or dependent on anybody else mm-hmm. but once I came to youth and I started living with this uncle and I saw how his life had been affected I saw every day the struggle I saw how bad schizophrenia is in person I saw how bad that physical disability is and I was like, I don't want anything more in life than my own health. Mm-hmm. My dad also says that I don't want you to become too... Because in, in our family, OCD runs. So mm. 
many of us have got it, but he's like, you know, your health matters the most. You know, take care of your health. My dad keeps saying that. My mom says that. And I do it for myself. I tell my other cousins, siblings, after I saw my uncle, after that uncle, it was like nothing, nothing, nothing should go to my head. <laughs> yeah, so it's because of that it just got more concrete. Just remain healthy to the head. Yeah, be kind to it. Well, got to be at least yeah. a little bit kind to it. Be yeah. kind to you. You, you do have to be kind to yourself because at the end of the day, we're a number one worst critic in the world is yes. always us. Like, you're always going to be the worst critic to you, aren't you? Yeah, 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 absolutely. You're on, you are your own worst, worst enemy. Worst critic, yeah. yeah. Worst enemy, that's the thing. I mean, sometimes it's other people who tell me that you're good at this and then I realize I'm good at this. So, you, for many people, this happens. You know, you don't realize what your strengths are. Somebody... An external perspective has to come in and tell you that these are your strengths. Weaknesses, we often know are weaknesses. Or we've imagined them. Or yes. we've imagined them. Uh, or that's, you've, that's you know, we've caused them to occur. Yeah. Yes. Or a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. I'm yes. terrible at mathematics and therefore I'm bad at stats. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I am bad at maths and I'm bad at stats. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I have evidence for that if you want. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I do understand what you mean. It's like that whole thing that if you tell yourself enough times you're not good at something, then you won't be good at it because you're gonna. Yeah, you're just not gonna try. Into the point of where you never try. Yeah. yeah. And yet, there's something to be said to try everything once, twice, three times, and you know, keep going. And if it's like, no, you know what? I generally am bad at this, or I <laughs> yeah. don't like it, then stop. Yeah. Anything can be learned. Anything can be learned. Maybe apply that to the positive things. But no one is born at that. This is the thing. Something. Something. Someone says something really interesting to me once, and that's no one is born a genius. And it's true. We all have the capacity to learn something and be good at something. But what is, uh, what is it that makes someone better at something than anyone else? Time, practice, repetition. And it's like those three things is how you get to the top. You What's know, that that Bruce Lee said? Uh, I don't fear the man that practiced a thousand punches once. I fear the man that practiced one, one punch, punch a thousand, thousand times. times. <laughs> it's very true. And it's... Yeah. Um, oh... There's another expression I can't quite get it right at the top. Uh, right, I can't think of it right Zach now. Is that the Falkards one? Is it float like a butterfly and stuff? No, 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 no. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's not the one I think about. Another one that is very kind of similar and resonates with me is it's not practice does. Practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. It's like, yeah, you can keep working on something, but yeah. if you're doing something again and again and again and you're doing it wrong... It's never going to be right. Yeah. Sometimes you have to take that step back, slow down, and like focus on making it, getting it right perfectly, and then that will lead to getting it right Good point. consistently. It's doing it the right way that matters. Yeah. If you're going round and round in circles, it's, you're not going to go to an end place. Mm -hmm. So that being said, take advice from professors when you... You know, your paper goes yes. in. Yeah, follow yeah, APA format. Okay, yeah. yeah. I feel like that's a slight dig at me. <laughs> Not you, just new students, just giving some good advice, making sure this is still an educational yeah, podcast. Actually. So I know we said, like, what advice would you give someone looking into um, psychology? What would you advice would you give someone who, if this was day one of year one for you right mm. now and you had the opportunity to take advice from someone who's started what would you say to them i would ask them uh just tell me in a sentence how to work hard oh man Ooh. that's a tough question Ooh. work smarter not harder yes yeah yeah that work. too yeah find uh, i know this is going to sound very bad but find shortcuts but find shortcuts that are consistent 
Like, uh, I, I, I spent way too much time typing out my citations, like verbatim. Now I know how to do APA citations, but now I just use Google Scholar and Citation Machine. Yep. Yeah. Nothing else. Well, I, yeah, that's that. Like, find shortcuts that give but you that's, those that's instances. That's not shortcuts. That is working smarter. Not harder. Yeah. Yeah, working smarter. Yeah, working smarter. Or yeah, learn how to use keywords. Nice. That's another thing too. That's another thing. Or any kind of search engine. Google Scholar is good, but try a little bit more um, in depth, like Science Direct or PubMed, or even MedRIXV or something like that. I definitely yeah. For me, it would be. Don't rely on Google. Yeah, definitely don't rely on Google. Learn yeah. how to use the other search engines in the field. Yeah, I think I, you mostly use the university one. Also, I would ask use that, that person to give me the psychology study tips, you know, books that they found helpful, uh, uh, you know, links they used, because uh, after somebody has spent three years, they've, you know, probably found some things that work for them. Yeah. I'd probably ask them if they can give me their notes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we probably, I mean, we had a date, maybe. We definitely try and give our notes away. Uh, I don't even think I, well, I find that weird. When I was in my university, I never took notes. I never took notes in lectures because I like to listen to the lecture themselves, and you can get the lecture notes online. Yeah. Right? Also, I feel like I get distracted. Yeah. See, so. I, I remember when we used to sit in our master's, like, obviously they tell you, print off the lecture notes and have them there. I'd never print off the lecture notes. No. But I would have my notepad open and I'd be listening to them. And because a lot of the lecturers are, the lecture notes for them are just key reminders. And if you're like looking at your lecture notes, reading them, you're not listening to them and you're missing the extra things they're saying. And so my notepad was if they turned and said something that was like, that's a really good point, I would just like... Write that down. Write instead. that down. I would write yeah. down what they've said. Because like you said, I could go on I could go onto mm-hmm. Canvas and get my lecture notes afterwards. And then I'd be like, okay, at that point they said this. You know, and it's that extra bit of information that really, really helped me. Yeah. But yeah, like... Active learning especially is important when they don't have a clue, like when you don't have a clue what they're talking about. Like I remember being um, stifled by a... Um, I think it was social psychology and they started talking about um, the, um, the social psychology of love or something like that or attraction with uh, Viren Swami, which is one of the lectures oh, here. Yes. Yeah, he's a really good lecturer, but he also stumped me on a few things. Like statistically speaking, he stumped me and I had to look them up just to make sure that he was right. <laughs> of course, I believed him at the time and whatnot. But I yeah, still do. You like, maybe you got it wrong. Yeah, maybe, man, that can't be, seriously? Really that much? Yeah. I think it was like, um, uh, you, you're 80% more likely to find someone uh, that you live close by. Like find someone that you love and marry if you live close by them. Because there's more of an opportunity for you to run into someone yeah. along those lines. And that, that's huge. I was like, is that actually a stat? Someone did this study? Yeah, like, that's, that's huge. Um, I'd be interested, actually. I'd be interested uh, if that research was done now with, with online. Online oh. dating yeah. and yeah. worldwide access. Extremely. No. Or like even his, um, one of his uh, lecture notes was like, uh, the best pickup line is, what's your favorite pizza topping? Yeah, so that's a, that's a, a practical application of social psychology that I could use. Did it work? God no, but that's because <laughs> I'm 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 terrible at small talk. Oh yeah. I mean, I still feel like the best uh, the best pick up your line uh, you could ever ask someone is what do you, what's your opinion on penguins' knees? Penguins' knees. Not bees' knees. No. What's your opinion on a penguin's knees? 
Because you, I guarantee you have before this point you have never thought about a penguin's knees. But do you have an opinion? <gasps> Let us know. Yes. <laughs> yeah, comment down below, guys. <laughs> what do you think about the penguin's knees? Let's have this conversation there. Yeah, then. that's maybe, okay. Second podcast idea. Write this one down. <laughs> penguin's knees. But whoever wants one on that. Because yeah. I guarantee that you are going to think about that for the rest of the night now. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm gonna imagine huh. what they'd be like. <laughs> he's so happy he's got us into this. I'm not happy. That is the exact reaction I had when someone said that to me. Like I genuinely went down a vortex of just like what the what? Like you know when you sit there and someone has said something to you, not it's not even profound, but it's just so strange, and you're just like what what, what just happened? Where have I just spent the last twenty minutes? <laughs> Well, on that note, I think we're going to end it there because I'm going <laughs> to... It's a good cliffhanger. That's a, it's a good uh, segue into ending the podcast because yeah. now I have to go think about Penguin's knees for a few minutes. Perfect. Yeah. But perfect ending. Perfect ending right there. Well, thank you very much, Asma, for joining us. We hope that you had fun. Did. It was good. absolutely fascinating hearing like, everywhere you traveled and how you got to where you wanted to go. And seeing your passion for it as well is like, really, really... Rare to see. Rare to see. I think so. I think, um, especially people who haven't done as much thinking as you, like about the subject in particular. Mm. I don't think many people are also have the courage to say this on podcast, which even more shows your benefit. I I don't want to think too much about how I sounded or, oh, why did I get that thing wrong or anything. So you sounded great. Don't worry. When you listen to this back, you're gonna realize you did great. I don't think I'm going to listen to this back. Oh no. There goes one of our viewers. Yeah, but thank you very much, Asma, yeah. for joining us. Do you have I'll anything you want to say to the viewers? I think, please, guys, join you together. You get the chance. I swear they've not made me say this. I'm saying it from the bottom of my heart. Join you together if you're interested in psychology or something. Uh, and you can also get a chance to publish editorials. And it'll be such a good chance for you to add to your profile. I'm saying this because... We, people in the creative industry, need experience. They need a place to show to other employers that, you know, they've done some work. So if you get it published on a website like Neurogether, it's a win-win situation for both of you guys. So do this. And they've not made me say this. I think this from the bottom of my heart, and I'm going to do this personally, too. And this is the first time I'm doing a podcast. I did not even think about the questions they're going to ask me. They didn't tell me beforehand. And it all came up very original. So if you want to... You know, come here, be part of New together, and then maybe, you know, you can come here and we can have a talk. Uh, and I will listen to it after, you know, <laughs> I've processed we'll all of this. send it to you before this all goes, don't yeah, worry. Yeah, and I'll go through the comments too if you guys do leave any. And uh, yes, I think, do, you have, do we have an Instagram account or something? Yeah, we have an Instagram. We do, we well, have Well, if you want to say something, you can say it there. If you, you know, if you want to, yeah, we can't absolutely. leave it here, you can leave a message there. Yeah. And if you want to ask anything, ask us. Thank you for listening. Thank you very to this. much. Thank <laughs> you for coming. All right, everyone, thank you very much for listening. It was lovely to have you around. Please join us on neurogether.com. Please uh, connect with me and John on neurogether. Please do follow us on the socials Instagram, Twitter, I believe, and Facebook. Yep, it was great to have you guys around. Have a good night. <laughs>